You are listening to the Over and Back podcast with Jason and RJ. And as always, we want you all to shut up and sit down. fans and college basketball fans. Hey, welcome to the Over and Back podcast for Sunday, March 24th, 2019. I am Jason Corbis, and with me is Mr. RJ Benner. Hey, hey, what's going on, guys? Hey, uh, wow, it has been a crazy week. March Madness indeed, huh? There's been a lot of crazy things happening in the tournament, man. Uh, <laughs> what's yes. kind of stuck out to you? It's been, uh, it's been some uh, surprises. Yeah, so first round was wild uh, in the fact that uh, the 12 seeds, which typically win, I mean, maybe you'll get you'll get one 12 seed advancing through. We had Liberty upsetting Mississippi State. Oregon just manhandled Wisconsin 72 to 54. So most, most of our listeners here absolutely uh, love that. Uh, Murray State, led by the one and only John Morant, uh, handed it to Marquette, so that's that's three twelves beating a five, and the other twelve, the other five seed that actually advanced was Auburn, who won in a crazy wild finish, seventy eight seventy seven. It I, was, oh. yeah, and I, I tell you what, man, it was it was uh, everything they could do to hold on to that, uh, including an airballed three at the end that really, right. I mean, that was it was just it was insane. So another really big upset was UC Irvine defeated number four Kansas State, which A is amazing, and B sucks because it trashed my bracket. Every- I had a <laughs> There's been so many broken brackets this month, well, this year in the tournament. Yep. It's, it's actually been kind of humorous. Yeah. It, so I like I have one bracket right now that is, I mean, I picked most of these upsets. My Elite Eight is completely trashed because I had Kansas State making it all the way to the Elite Eight. So, like, I went from probably having one of the best brackets on the ESPN Tournament Challenge to having just a, a subpar, like a, like a barely above average bracket because of that one. So congrats to UC Irvine. And that's great news for all of us Oregonians, because that means the Oregon Ducks face UC Irvine to get into the Sweet 16. That's going to be fun. Actually, Oregon's got a really, really good chance to take that one, and it's going to be exciting after a disappointing football season. It's always good to see at least the basketball team doing well in Oregon. So True, and this is the only time I'm actually an Oregon Duck fan. Uh, when it comes to everything else, I'm very anti-Oregon, except for when it comes to the March Madness tournament, and if Oregon State's not in it, let's go Ducks. Uh, Oregon State can't even make the NIT, so <laughs> Don't be judgy. Uh, we had some <laughs> we had some tens beat some sevens, but other than that, uh, we kind of chalk on a lot of the other games. All the one twos and threes are in now. Do we do record this in the afternoon on Sunday? So that means there are a lot of games that haven't finished. I know that Duke is just now starting their game, uh, and uh, North Carolina just wrapped up their win to get into the Sweet Sixteen. But we are waiting for uh, about nine uh, more finishes. We don't really have the Sweet Sixteen laid out, so that'll be something that we do talk about probably a week late. We'll be focusing more on the Final Four, but uh, for that first round and some of the second game second round matchups it's been a really fun tournament it really really has you know i'm looking forward to actually this uh this final four i think is going to be really really good this year and i have a feeling that uh you know the dukies are going to be taking it so yeah well i mean they definitely have the, the firepower for it so some of the things that uh we want to talk about are games that mattered this isn't necessarily like the upsets or anything it's just the games that really did make a difference so uh one of those is that 12-5 upset murray state over marquette now we've talked on this podcast about some of the upcoming draft talent right right one of those names it's kind of come out of 
uh, I don't want to say come out of nowhere, but it's really just all season long the stock kept rising. Is John Moran? He's the sophomore yeah. out of Murray State. Yeah, you, you you heard him talked about, but now he's really getting a lot of shine from press, and it's really made his uh, his uh, draft stock really rise. Yeah, absolutely. So he played like a number one pick uh, in that first round against Marquette. Oh, he looked unbelievable. Yeah, seventeen point sixteen rebounds or sixteen assists and eleven rebounds. Um, Second game, he didn't look as good. I mean, he went like 8 for uh, 21, but he, he shot 5 of 6 on threes for 28 points. Right. It's just the rest of the team shot uh, in the low 30s, uh, and they ended up getting getting uh, getting bounced out in the second round. But did he do enough, in your opinion, to lock up the number 2 seed? Because we know Zion, number 1, no matter who's drafting, I, I don't think anything could happen outside of maybe like a completely shredded ACL. That could, and even then, I don't even think it would make somebody question I, the pick. I think it's going to be one of those things where it's going to really depend on team needs. Yeah, <laughs> you think so? You think Jock could go first? Oh no no no, no, no yeah no. okay no, no, no. you're talking about for, second for two okay you for know, two for for personally I would I would pick R.J. Barrett for my number two pick if yes. I had a second pick yes but I do have a feeling that depending on which team lands that number two pick. Uh, there's a there's a really good chance that he could actually go to whoever that may be at number two over Barrett. Right. So so I'm looking at um, no, I'm picking him over Zion. Okay, crazy. I'm, I'm looking at so I'm looking at the best possible landing spots for a John Morant would be like Phoenix going in there. Um, Devin Bo- so then you'd have John Morant, Devin Booker, and DeAndre Ayton to really build around, and then you have like Kelly Oubre and some of those other pieces that turns them into a playoff team. I think that's like a really good spot. But yeah, there are some teams that have a really good young point guard that that you know a six foot two. Uh, double point guard uh, backcourt might not play well. Right. So, in that point, maybe RJ. Other, like, the, yeah, depending on uh, like some kind of conflict like that, I really do think this tournament gave him that number two spot. Yeah, um, I wouldn't be surprised one bit. Yeah. So, you know, you know the story of Rick Patino, right? Yeah. Okay. So, for the listeners who don't know, because they only love the NBA, <laughs> Rick Patino was a legendary coach out of Louisville. And before that, I want to say it was uh, Kentucky that he mm-hmm. coached uh, before he went to, to go try in the NBA for a while. Anyway, what essentially happened was um, FBI did a, like an undercover sting. They found out that Adidas was paying the coach and the team money to pay players to have them come and kind of like a, a pay-to-play thing, right? Right. Uh, he took the full brunt of this. He should have known, how dare he, this is terrible. He didn't actually get indicted by the FBI, but he took the full brunt of it. Now, as it turns out, we're finding out across the board this happened with Nike, allegedly. <laughs> allegedly. Well, you know this happened. This, I mean, it's, this is nothing new, but I think everywhere things to deal with uh, colleges, whether it be mm-hmm. admissions or athletics. <laughs> yeah, they're right. Kind of coming under question right now. So I think I think teams are going to be be getting away with a lot less uh, in the future. I agree. So one of the um, one of the games actually that kind of hit my radar was this uh, Minnesota versus Louisville it was a 10-7 matchup mm-hmm. right so to the to the average viewer it's just oh look it's Minnesota versus Louisville to me it was uh, Rick Pitino's son coaches Minnesota Louisville right. fired their dad or uh, his dad unceremoniously right mm-hmm. so a little bit of payback when Minnesota was able to hand it to Louisville in that first round and knock him out I'm thinking dad's got to be right around the corner just like cheering right I mean Am I wrong? Well, I'm sure it felt good, you know. It's, uh, but you know, again, it's not like he didn't have what was coming to him. He, <laughs> he was well aware of the. You know, we we differ on the college sports pay thing, mm-hmm. and I think we always will. <laughs> I think the kids get paid with an education that they choose to not take advantage of. That's not that's not the college's fault. 
You know, that's not the NCAA's fault. That's what the offer is to play sports, and they choose not to take advantage of it. So, all right. Well, I mean, again, I agree, disagree, whatever. End of the day, that good win for the Patino family and Minnesota. Oh, yeah. yeah, I've so, always liked Minnesota anyway. So. Yeah. So one of the things I always look for, and again, we haven't quite got to the Sweet 16. We don't even know all the teams, and there's a lot that plays in. So this is a really incomplete thought. But I have a few locks that I'm going to call right now. All right. When it comes to draft stock moving up and moving down, way too much is put on this tournament. One to four games, that sometimes five games that people play. Right. Well, what, part of the reason for that, though, is it's an opportunity for these teams to see how these kids perform on a big stage. So a lot of times they take that into consideration probably a little more than they should. Right. So I look at it like... What are players that have really cemented themselves as top uh, or first-round talent and then use the the tournament as a way to match them up against other top-round talent and see how well they do, right? Right. So Jarrett Culver um, is going to be a top-five pick now. This kid out of – I can say kid still, right, because he's younger than me. So (laughs) this kid out of of, uh, Texas Tech is just tearing it up. I originally had him slated as like a late lottery pick. Right. Now I have him going top five for sure. He had 29 points the first round. He did well in the second round as well. Definitely making a difference. He's a six foot five shooting guard, so he can kind of flow into a lot of different systems. Multi position at that right. point. A little short to play the three, but he can in, in situations. He's a decent defender, and he, he can just get auto. He can just get hot, microwave hot. Uh, I think that that's going to attract a, a, a team that just needs a, a good scorer. He could be that, you know. Oh, absolutely. He's got he's got a lot of talent, and uh, I I don't think, you know, in this uh, this day's NBA, I don't think that his his height playing at the three or wherever he might end up at the two, I don't think that that's going to be too detrimental to his game. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the other one we just talked about was John Morant. I mean, to me, he said to the, to the uh, he basically said to the NBA. Don't blow this. Right? <laughs> like you, get, whoever gets number one gets a pass, and I feel like whoever number two is has a lot of pressure on them right. because they're going to essentially have to choose two, possibly three, depending on how the rest of the tournament shakes out for some other players. But I mean, this could be one of those things: is John Morant the real deal? Is RJ Barrett the real deal? And you're going to pick the wrong one, and you're going to end up with Greg Oden. I mean, it's, that was a one-two, but same thing, you know? Yeah, but I mean, in all fairness, that was not a bad pick. It was an unfortunate pick with the future, but that wasn't a bad pick. Sam Bowie wasn't a bad pick by by that logic. <laughs> so uh, that's a stock that went up, right? Jarrett Culver yeah. uh, and John Moran. Nobody's really going to probably pass those two as far as who who sells the highest. But there are some other ones that I wanted to talk about. Um, these are like a borderline, right? Like right. these are players that if they had a great tournament, they could make it to the lottery. If they have a bad tournament, they could make it to the second round. And a lot rides on this. One of them is Admiral Schofield out of Tennessee. Now, I don't know if you saw this in that first round game. He voluntarily took himself out of the final seconds of that game. Oof. Yeah, that's a bad move. Mm. You don't want to. <laughs> this is your last game. It's not like you're a sophomore and you can come back. This is the last game of your college career. People have talked about you about being a late first-round pick. You're having like a, a mediocre game, and you just did that. You better pray that the rest of this tournament goes amazing for you, or you're not going to get picked up. Yeah, no, a move like that kind of puts a lot of bad stigma on you, and hopefully he can come back from that. Yeah, yeah. I We'll, we'll see. I mean, again, um, he's already got, in my opinion, two strikes on him because he's a senior coming out into the NBA, and that's something like if you if you make it longer than two years, your stock value stock value goes down. 
Yeah. Shout out to Kyle Kuzma. <laughs> okay. But he didn't get drafted too high, right? I don't remember what, what was no, his. No, no, he didn't get drafted too high. But, you know, the, these – these guys do come out, you know, a little bit, uh, a little bit more polished and a little bit ready to play at the next level too. When they do stay a couple more years, so yeah. So one guy that's not going to stay a couple more years, who in my, and we will probably disagree on this one, but his stock value took a massive hit with this Oregon win and a potential Oregon win uh, later on tonight. It's a uh, bowl, bowl. Yeah, you know, uh, Oregon is doing really great in the tournament, and if they continue to keep winning without him, they're kind of showing, you know the lack of impact a player like him actually had on that team to begin with. Yeah, I mean, he only played, I want to say, 10 games, shut himself down with a foot that possibly is completely healed by uh, now. I think he would have been fine. Could you imagine him in this tournament making making an impact? We could be talking about him leapfrogging into the top 10 pick. Yeah. Now, I see him sliding out of the lottery. I mean, the good news is you slide out of the lottery, that means the team you're going to is probably a little bit better, but it also means that you're not going to get them dollar bills right in the beginning and, and uh, maybe not even the playing time that you need. Yeah, you know, the uh, no matter what, I think he's going to be a gamble too. A guy that size and, you know, with, he's, he's still pretty slight of build, you know. Uh, injuries, especially to his legs, ankles, knees. I mean, it's it's going to come pretty regular to a guy who's got limbs as long as him. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's, it's a gamble. And, you know, whether it be uh, – I mean, I think they know it. That's part of the reason why they shut him down is because I have a feeling throughout his career, which probably isn't going to be all that long, if you ask me, he's going to be dealing with injuries through the whole thing, I bet. so Maybe. I mean, his dad kind of had some problems, yeah. too. So, I mean, I don't know if any of those you were know, genetic. I mean, when you're 7'7 seven, seven and 97 pounds like his dad, I mean, it's <laughs> it's hard. Well, and, and the taller you get, I mean, typically, I mean, how many 7-footers can you count that have had foot or ankle or knee problems? I mean... You know, from Zildronis Ogoskis all the way to Sean Bradley, they seem to always have some kind of um, shutdown injury. Yeah, when it's uh, those guys, you know, the seven three to seven mm-hmm. seven guys, it's always something. I mean, uh, the most promising one was was Yao, who actually, yeah. Yao was actually had a pretty muscular build for a guy his size. He was not as lanky as some of these other guys you see out there. Yet he still he still couldn't uh, get over the injury hump with mm-hmm. with uh, you know just being that tall. That's true. I will say the best thing about Yao Ming is when you play NBA Two K, he is so unbelievably good. Oh. Uh, so that's, if I ever if I ever want to cheat a win out of Jason when we play some two K and he doesn't let me pick Kobe Bryant, it's definitely Yao Ming time. So, so uh, other other stock uh, that we need to be watching over the next three rounds. There's always going to be one kind of player that does something ridiculous during the dur- during the tournament and convinces a really bad general manager that he should be their top pick. Shout out Sacramento, um, right? Yeah. So somebody's <laughs> somebody's career is going to come to an end with this draft, like it always does. It's the person who's going to pick Patrick O'Brien or Jimmy Fredette, or I'm sorry, Jimmer Fredette, or last year's uh, pick. I mean, it it didn't cost him his job, but it was a, it was a complete bust. Was Dante DiVincenzo? It's these players who are are fringe players to begin with. Like maybe they're second round. Maybe you can sneak them in at the very end of the first right. round, uh, and then all of a sudden they become lottery picks because they have a hyped up tournament. So I don't have any real predictions right now. Uh, I, I haven't seen anybody really bust through. There's some. Well, a lot of those. I mean, you gotta wait for their first year in the league, you know, before you can really sort of make that call. Because they all look good in college. They're playing against guys who are at a much lower level, and when they make that step, that's when that kind of a bust usually rears mm-hmm. its ugly head. So. Yeah, I, I will say Except that. Jimmer, shout out Jimmer. <laughs> yeah, Jimmer's Jimmer's back. Uh, so I will say that this year there's a few people that haven't made the jump that I think. 
will by the by like as North Carolina has three players, two of which I think are overhyped. The the, the one overhyped the most I think is Kobe White. Kobe Kobe White. I think that's his name. Kobe White. White. I think that's it. Kobe White. I'm going with Kobe White. It's not on my <laughs> nose. I, I just all of a sudden I'm second guessing the name. Anyways, he's the the point guard out of North Carolina mm-hmm. uh, with a with a really long flowy hair. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. Like yeah. they have two they have two decent guards. He's the He's the one with the, the the longer hair. He is going to be my pick for – I mean, my guess is he's going to have a good enough tournament that he's going to jump into the top ten. If he jumps into the top ten, he's going to be that next bust because I don't think he has transitional – he doesn't have a game that transitions well into the NBA, so he's going to end up uh, yeah, maybe being that. Top, uh, top ten is a bit of a stretch for me for him, though. So. Yeah, absolutely. So – my final take on this, again, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more on the next podcast when we have the Elite Eight and um, kind of go over a, a deeper dive into the teams, unless you have more to add after this. My, my last thought I want to leave with you and with the rest of the, the listeners here is if you have a chance to enjoy the tournament, do it. Because this is the last year, potentially, this is the last year that you're going to see forced top talent into college basketball. Oh, right. Absolutely. And if you need a reminder, uh, Hulu has live sports. <laughs> <laughs> so so Zion, RJ, Cam, Nasir Little, Keldon Johnson, I I say all of those kids would have jumped straight to the NBA oh, yeah. without the, the one-year requirement for college, which is going away. So we literally could have had a tournament without those names. Different kind of basketball. So if you if you like seeing some of those big hype names and they're doing a I mean Zion is on every every commercial right definitely time to catch it now because we don't uh, we don't get to see them in high school so we just have to <laughs> right uh, I mean the only time I've ever seen a potential draft pick in a high school game on ESPN was LeBron. in 2002 when yeah. LeBron James was coming up yeah. that's that's all I can remember so you don't see that a whole lot maybe uh, they'll have some on ESPN eight the Ocho at some point <laughs> but <laughs> we'll see well the, yeah outside of the McDonald's All American game i really don't get right. to watch any talent other than the youtube clips which somebody puts together like yeah, like, like, like <laughs> speaking of youtube clips have you seen that clip of zion williamson being guarded by that like five six little white kid i'm shaking my head no it is fantastic plus oh, i mean he's only on him for a little bit and then the, so this uh this video clip shows him just getting towered over in the beginning and and uh you know, Zion makes him move on him, scores easily. And then it shows this little kid going on to, like, splash four threes in a row. Really? <laughs> it's pretty ah, cool. Okay. So I kind of I want to transition to the NBA. I don't know. I don't want to, like, cut your college. Yeah, we might as well talk about the NBA on this NBA podcast. <laughs> All right. So we had, I mean, rising and falling. So uh, to the listeners, we start making notes throughout the week. We really start finalizing them near the end of Thursday, beginning of Friday for this podcast so that we can kind of uh, do the research yeah, that we need. Yeah, then all of a sudden, from Thursday to Saturday, there's big changes because a couple of games happen, and, yep. and then all the notes you had don't matter. So right. <laughs> so the Western Conference is, is notorious for this. We have the San Antonio Spurs. So keep in mind, on Thursday, they're they're surging. They're, they've they won their last eight straight. They're jumping into that sixth seed. We're looking at, can they get the fifth seed? Now, all of a sudden, yep. by the time we air this, it's they're an eighth seed. So... <laughs> What's going on with the Spurs? Are they hot? Are they not? What's going on? Well, they had a couple of tough games, but uh, you know, it's it's really tough to say. It's not that they're really they're not they're not doing bad. the 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 problem is there's no separation, so there's going to be so much movement between eight and five, which is only separated by a few games. Mm-hmm. You know, as we get towards Game and the half, end, yeah. you know, we never. I mean, who knows? Uh, a two game skid after going on such a run is not. 
is not going on a cold streak. That's just, you know, that's the break sometimes. It happens. They're not an elite ball club this year. So the fact that, you know, they did go on that really hot streak where they, you know, mm-hmm. won, was it 8 of 10, 9 of 10? Yeah. yeah like eight that. in a row on that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, and they drop a couple. I mean, that's nothing to really worry about at this point. I just, uh, I have a feeling that, uh, it's pretty much uh, a crapshoot at this point on where they're going to end up landing. True. You know, because the other teams that are down there in that area, they're kind of going through the same same thing. You know, they're they're going on a pretty decent runs, and then they drop a couple, mm-hmm. and then positions keep changing. So yeah. So uh, of these teams, we'll we'll go with the Spurs first. This is the best possible spot for them right now if the playoffs started today. Yeah, falling I, hope, down, I hope they they land in eight. Yeah, falling down to eight with the Nuggets at number one means that you avoid Oklahoma City. Or I'm sorry, not Oklahoma City. You avoid Golden State. Kevin Durant messed me up on that one. You avoid <laughs> you avoid Golden State and you avoid Houston. Both teams nobody wants to face in the first round. You get the Nuggets, who are the second youngest team yep. with very little playoff experience outside of like some even Paul Millsap's experience isn't that great, right? Like no, he's never made it. Very very far. Right. So his experience is from Atlanta. All right. So I think that if you we if if the goal is can the Spurs make it to the second round and how? They just need to pace with whatever the Nuggets are doing. Yep. Like like somebody should be having that conversation. Like, hey, Nuggets are surging. What do we do? Eh, why don't we back off a little bit? Let's get some rest games in there. Hey, the uh, Warriors are surging. What should we do? Let's play some heavy minutes well, on I mean, the starters. We're kidding ourselves if that hasn't been the topic of conversation for them. Yeah. You know, nobody Nobody wants to match up with Golden State in the first round. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to get the two-time champs, you know, at, and especially, you know, they've been bored for so long. Yeah. Now now the playoffs give them a reason to be hyped. You don't really want to step into that. So. Right. And I would say if you're going – if they, Steve Kerr and that Warriors team, I feel like they're smart enough to know that if you're facing a Greg Popovich team, you don't take it easy. That's no. not a sleepwalk game because they'll catch you – off guard yep. if, if you're not ready. I think I think you prepare a little different when you're going to go up against a great Popovich team than you would, say, uh, Doc Rivers Clippers, right? Like, they're just a different level of intensity. Or the Oklahoma City Thunder, that's another one that, like, mm, they could catch you off guard. Um, so here, we talk a little bit about the turbulence in the Western Conference. This is what's crazy. Right now, um, we're looking at a number one Nuggets versus a number eight Spurs. But in just like three games, it literally could be a number five, a number four Rockets versus a number five Spurs. That's how much shift that could happen. Yep. The Nuggets could go from anywhere from one to three. The Rockets could go from anywhere from two all the way down to four. And yeah, having a playoff this race this close mm-hmm. with so many teams involved in the movement still, like I, nobody has their position locked. Right. And by this point of the season, to really have no seating locked in the West is incredible. Mm-hmm. You, you don't see that. No, I'm, I'm with you. You know, and, and again, we're looking at, um, you know, you mentioned it earlier, five through eight. This is typically not something this far up for grabs. One and a half games. The Clippers were a team that we said, hey, they just traded Tobias Harris. They're done for. They're looking to get that lottery so that they get to keep their draft pick. And now all of a sudden, they're the five seed. Well, the crazy thing, too, was before they traded Harris, they were starting to fall. Mm-hmm. I mean, they spent mm-hmm. that time in, in the top three in the West for, for far too long, if you ask me, in the beginning of the year. And, you know, then they started to fall, and they dropped all the way down to, like, seven, I think, when they made the Tobias yep. Harris trade. And they were not supposed to keep winning. And, you know, I guess, you know, you got this much heart, anything's possible. So. True. So we'll spend a little bit more time um, – with the West once it, it firms up. Right now, the East is starting to firm, right? So if we're talking cakes, the Western Conference just got put in the oven. But I'd say the Eastern Conference is just about done. We know one through three. That's pretty much safe, right? Who do you got? 
We have the Bucks. We have the Bucks, the Raps, and the Sixers. Okay, four and five is a toss up right now. So mm-hmm. the the Pacers are on the slide. Three and seven in their last ten. They've fallen down to fourth. Celtics sitting at five, five and five in their last ten games, and they have some turmoil going on. So where are we at? We'll just look at the first five. Where are we at as far as how we feel? Well, the the interesting part about the Eastern Conference is I feel like the top of the seedings are have been very steady. Uh, the only big change has really been the Sixers have been coming on as of late, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, but you know the Bucks and the Raptors have been holding strong all year. The bottom of the conference, though, of the of the seedings, is where a lot of movement is happening, and these teams are surging right now going into the playoffs. We got teams like Miami and Orlando that are really fighting to to get in there. Yeah, I think it's a, one game separates the Heat and the Magic, and the Magic are on a tear. Heat have been holding their own seven and three in their last right. ten games. Like these are like these these are incredible. Even the Nets, uh, well, well, the Pistons have been a big surprise too, and they've been playing really well. And this is the first time that the Pistons are, I mean, above five hundred in a while. Make mm-hmm. yeah, and I will say this: nobody talks about. And we'll and we're going to be guilty of this later on in the about segment. About how good Blake is this year? Yeah, Blake Griffin. Nobody talks about him. Andre Drummond. Nobody's talking about no. Andre Drummond's like fifteen and fifteen, yeah. and nobody says boo. Oh, they're, they they're they're really overachieving, especially since after this move, it was, the whole thing was Blake is done. We're shipping him off to Detroit. He doesn't mm-hmm. have anything left, and Blake is showing that. You know, contrary to what we thought when he came into the league, we thought that he would never learn how to play basketball. We thought that he was going to be a guy who was going to live on his athleticism, and then when that starts to fade, mm-hmm. he's done. That's what it is. You know, it, it took like it was like four or five years in his career in L.A., and he hadn't the game hadn't slowed down for him yet. You yep. know, and and that was that was surprising because a lot of times those guys who are you know stars at that level, that's what they always say is the game slows down, it becomes easier, and he looked like he was still very sporadic out there mm-hmm. with uh, and just living off his athleticism, and he's he's. Learn the ball, and yeah. it's been really impressive. So I, I kind of blame Chris Paul for that, right? Chris Paul plays at his pace. Chris Paul wants you to play a certain way. Blake Griffin needed to be an above the rim, what they call it, lob city, right. right? Like you played whatever, you played the basketball the way Chris Paul wanted you to play at that point. So this is the first time where he's been the focal point. He is the star of that team. He's the star, and he's also one of their primary ball handlers, mm-hmm. too, and that's really, really – it's, it, at his size, it's phenomenal. Yeah, it's definitely. And we're awesome. seeing that it's becoming a trend lately. All these teams letting six ten, six eleven guys handle the ball. So mm-hmm. it's uh, working. So yeah, so one through three is safe. We got um, you know the Celtics four and five. It's going to go either way. It's either going to be Celtics, Pacers, which is how I think it's going to go. I think the Celtics will probably clip I, the Pacers. I can't, yeah, I can't. I can't put any any hope in the Celtics though. That's your, did you did you hear what Kyrie Irving said about rest days? <laughs> Yeah, uh, in the middle of a playoff hunt, uh, that's just ridiculous. Right. So for for those who missed that audio clip, a reporter said, "So you know, being in the middle of this playoff run, uh, how do you feel about rest days? Because as you all know, the, a lot of the NBA teams will start resting their stars near the end of the season. It's called load management. <laughs> so that's right. So to manage his load, uh, <laughs> he he got he he almost looked offended when when the reporter said it, and he he kind of scoffed. He's like, "Of course I'm going to do that. It doesn't. Why would I? Why would I play through meaningless basketball? Hey, Kyrie, 
It's You're not, fighting neck and neck for the four and five seeds right you now. You have no meaningless games this year. Right. Understand that. So, you are you have a chance to lose home court advantage if your butt is not playing, so I suggest maybe you play. Right, and it's not like you're the Warriors where they win just as many games on the road as they do at home, so it really doesn't matter to them. Yep. You literally have a losing record on the road as a Boston Celtic. You should probably make sure you lock up four before you even talk about it, and you're not going to lock it up to the last game of the season. So which one are you going to take off? That's what I want to yeah. know. <laughs> After last night, I think Golden State would rather play on the road. So, <laughs> yeah, that was just a sleepwalk game. Uh, the, for those who didn't catch it, the Mavericks beat them by what thirty points, thirty five points. Yeah, which uh, didn't earlier, like a couple of weeks ago, they had their worst home loss in seven mm-hmm. years, and this eclipsed it. Yep. So <laughs> yeah, and they're losing the bad team. They lose the Mavericks, the Suns. They're just uninspired and bored. Um, yeah, but Luca and uh, Dirk killed it last night. So, oh hey, Dirk, congratulations! Can, it's going to sound terrible, but we're going to applaud Dirk Nowitzki right now. He just passed Wilt Chamberlain on the all-time scoring record. Do you know what shot he took to do so? Hmm. It, it was his fadeaway jumper. Yeah, it's it's the only thing he's got left. But it was his it was a signature shot to pass Wilt Chamberlain, and he's eight hundred behind Michael Jordan. So if he does come back next year, he has a shot. I'd rather not see it happen. Not not because I don't want him to pass Michael Jordan, just because I just because don't. He's gonna bigger gonna get a bigger applause than uh, LeBron James, <laughs> even if he did it in L.A. So <laughs> <laughs> so the last team I want to talk about. Uh, I want to give a little bit of shine to them. And also uh, kind of one of those uh, um, backhanded compliments. The Orlando Magic have been coming on. They're a game behind the Heat for the eighth seed. They So over the last uh, month of basketball, they're the number two. Uh, they had just fallen. They were the number one. They're the number right. two defensive rated team. They're tops in defensive rebounding. So they have Mo Bamba. They have uh, Aaron Gordon. They have um, Isaac, uh, uh, Jonathan Isaac. So they have a tall, fast, uh, long back uh, front court, uh, and they kind of basically they only need uh, they need that prolific scorer. So here we are, this team that yeah, has that's a big hole to fill, though. That's not like a tiny little thing. right. Like you can't just you can't just make up for that. So that's the difference, in my opinion, from them being like a, a nine to a seventeen for the next five years, and then being able to make the jump. So my backhanded part of this compliment is you guys are playing your butts off. Congratulations. That's a way that we like to see uh, kids kind of grow into yep. into the roles with some great coaching that's going on down there. But now you've just made it so you're either going to get the worst lottery pick. Or you're not going to make the lottery and you'll have pick 15 or 16. And you're still in Orlando and the last free agent who's taken you serious was Grant Hill. And we know how that went. Nobody's coming. You guys are basically doing what Portland did in the, the late 90s and early 2000s. You're destined for terrible playoff uh, first round exits for the next five years. Yeah, uh, it's 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 kind of sad, you know. As much as people, you know, love to go to, like, Miami, I'm surprised that Orlando doesn't have the same kind of shine on a team that's owned by Disney. And We just need to have Will Smith make a uh, Orlando song. That is true. Mm-hmm. I bet you they would come flocking for that. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it's sad, you know, that, 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 that team has a history of – just really bright young stars, and that was at their peak mm-hmm. during the whole uh, Shaq and Penny phase, and that is literally the last time that that team has made any noise. It was supposed to be like a magical thing, no pun intended. Oh, uh, that was I, I a wasn't pun. Even that going was, it for was that. intended. That was, no, it was not, <laughs> not even close. 
when we heard that there might be a chance that Grant Hill is now going to play with T Mac, and it was it was really really exciting. And again, like you said, we know how that panned out, and it was pretty depressing. Yeah. So I mean, let's let's take a like a. I mean, we'll wrap this up in just a couple of minutes. Let's take an oral history of the Orlando Magic stars that are no longer there. So first of all, oh, and before I do this, do you know what Grant Hill drinks? Sprite. <laughs> it never gets old. <laughs> so they they're a late eighties. Want another Sprite, Grant? <laughs> they're a late eighties expansion team. Mm-hmm. Uh, within the first five years of their existence, they land Shaquille O'Neal. They go 41 no, 40. I thought you were going with Scott Skiles. Uh, hey, he still holds the record, right, for most assists in the game. Uh, so you have. You, there's still the rumor of him beating up Shaq in the locker room, too. I'm sure that wasn't a rumor. <laughs> so you have, in the first five years, you get Shaquille O'Neal. You go 41 41. You miss the playoffs. You have the worst lottery odds, much like this. But then, because the, it wasn't a weighted system yet. You end up getting the number one pick again, right? Drafting at, Chris Weber, right? And then you get Chris Weber. You do a draft day trade for for Penny. So now you have Shaq and Penny. You let Shaq leave after a few years because you didn't want to pay him max money. Penny gets hurt, so you start trading him. Start trading him around. Then you reboot your team again, and you get Tracy McGrady. Yep. You get Grant Hill. That doesn't pan out. And you get Horace Grant, too, from yeah. the Bulls faded. Well, yeah, well, I mean, he, 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 he was part of the other team. Uh, in, in the middle of all that, you have Steve Franchise for a little while. Um, you've had big stars there, but you've never been able to turn that into yeah, a championship. Yeah, I remember, uh, uh, was it Chuck Daly? Was it Chuck Daly down there? The, he was the Nets coach? Did he yeah. coach down there? Yeah. Okay. Because he was playing those. Uh, or not the Nets coach. The um, They had, they had a couple of promising rookies, too, and a couple of big uh uh, a couple of big men who could shoot. There's Matt Harpering, mm-hmm. and uh, there was another one. What was his name? Oh. Anyways, doesn't matter. They've always had a lot of promising young talent, and the fact that they can never really get over that hump, uh, and losing losing players to to free agency, to injury, to mm-hmm. to everything else. That that organization just kind of had a real dark cloud over it for well, years. And a lot of it is mismanagement. So some of the rules that we have now, like with restricted free agents. Uh, coming out of the rookie deals is directly because of Shaquille O'Neal walking out. So what people seem to forget is that the Lakers said, hey, Shaq, we're going to give you all this money. And the Magic previously had been lowballing him. He came into that free agency saying, hey, I'm, I'm going to stay in Orlando. He bought a house. Yep. He was in. And then they lowball him, and they insult him, and the Lakers come in, and they just throw all the money they're allowed to throw at him. And he looks at it, and then he goes, well, I'm going to go to L.A. then. It wasn't one of these, like, I'm, like, I'm going to force my way out, so I go to Twinkletown. Yep. Uh, it's It's... They, they they did it to themselves, and then the penny injury. They didn't really do that to themselves. No. Maybe they maybe, maybe they had a, a a string of bad luck when it came to injuries. But then they did it to themselves with Grant Hill. He he didn't break his ankle in Orlando. He broke his ankle in yep. in Detroit. How do you not do due diligence on that on that before you offer him a max level contract? Yeah, yeah. It was. Uh, it's been really really poor. Management. And then and then you give away Tracy McGrady for Steve Francis, which <sighs> Steve Francis. Uh, I I have to do my research. I'm not 100% sure, but I'm pretty sure he's homeless. <laughs> I'm not even joking. Are you serious? Uh, he, like he's in rehab and oh. like like he was living he was living like uh, on the streets for a while because he got into drugs and a bunch of other stuff. Like he was a wreck. He so he went on to uh, He used to play in China. <laughs> he 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 did a he did an interview where he was talking about like how high he would be during the games and like how he just abused his body during the seasons. So Was that him or Lamar Odom? Mm. That's too much. <laughs> Poor Lamar Odom. He ate Skittles. 
or whatever the candy was that he ate all the time. Skittles was the football thing. Maybe he did M&M's. I don't remember what it was. Uh, anyway, wow, that was way longer than I promised, guys, on the Orlando Magic. So, anyways, that's the Eastern Conference. We have a pretty good feeling on how this is all going to shake out. Uh, there's not a lot of surprises. We'll do a playoff preview once the regular season right. ends, and we'll give you our predictions for each matchup. But I think it's pretty cut and dry. Like, there is about four teams that really matter. Yeah, well, the, the exciting East. part about the Eastern Conference is the race at the bottom to see who's actually going to get yep. in or not. And yeah. that's uh, that's going to be pretty fun to watch. Yeah, because honestly, whether it's Heat or the Magic, you guys are losing against the Bucks. And, and it's just, that's just the way it is. One thing that does matter is Defensive Player of the Year. So every podcast that we've been doing as the season winds down, we start giving our predictions all the way from MVP down to um, whatever the Coach of the Year, I guess. would. No, no, we already did Coach of the Year. So what would the last one be? We have Sixth Man of the Year? We, yeah, we didn't do Sixth Man yet. We did Most so, Improved. and Yeah, Sixth Man is the last one I think we have. So yeah. that will be next week's podcast. This year, defensive or this podcast is Defensive Player of the Year. I'm going to hand this one off to you first because I – I have far less of a of a valuable opinion on defensive player of the year than you. <laughs> well, uh, I still believe that defense is the thing that wins championships, and uh, I'm going to have to go with probably the biggest all star stub this year in Rudy Gobert for my defensive player of the year. He's uh, he's fourth in blocks, fourth in defensive rebounds. Uh, and he is the defensive anchor for that team. He directs the defense so well over there. They they've had a top a top-ranked defense uh, for the last couple of years now because of him. They had a little bit of a slide. There were some rule changes this year. He was not he was not playing uh, up to his normal standards when this year started, and he was pretty frustrated about it. And uh, he made some adjustments, and he has been a terror. And not only that, he's still be coming into his own as an offensive player as well. So he's becoming really, really well-rounded. And getting this Defensive Player of the Year award, I think, is, is pretty inevitable for him. Okay. So there's a lot of names that get tossed around for Defensive Player right. of the Year right now. It's, it's about five names, and, and there's not a lot of gap between them. But no. I mean, we have Miles Turner mm-hmm. uh, for the Pacers. He has been, he's been pretty incredible, I have to say. And people did not know that he was quite the defender that he's showing this year, and it's been, it's been great. Paul George. Paul George has always been known to be a great perimeter defender, but he's also uh, getting a lot of block shots this year. He's still getting in the passing lanes because he is so long, mm-hmm. and his on-ball defense is always shining. And it would be cool to actually have that wing player in there, even though that wing player is like 6'9", 6'10". Uh, right. <laughs> Still a wing player, though. Uh, Yeah, so so I I have some things that really bother me about Paul George. Um, So first of all, yes, he's leading the league in steals, and he has improved his defensive rebounding by like almost two rebounds a game. Mm -hmm. That's a really impressive stat for me, and and not enough people talk about that for Defensive Player of the Year is defensive rebounding. That's a really key element. Because not only are you guarding your guy and closing out whatever you need to do, you're also helping control... Um, the 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 closeout of that of that possession and transition that to offense. And again, if Paul George is getting your rebound, you're immediately going to turn that into transition offense. Yeah. You don't have well, to worry about that. He's one of those guys who is very very adept at getting those rebounds and mm-hmm. just taking the ball and going. Yep. So it's great to transition that to offense, and it does have a really big impact. But here's my problem with Paul George. Are you ready? Sure. Because he's still a wing player. <laughs> he's still a wing uh, player, and I can't I can't do that because at the end of the day. To me, when I think of defense, I think of the person that can that can that can stop you. For a wing player, like if I had to put two wing players side by side, and I would say one possession, one guy, I need to stop. It's not Paul George. It's Marcus Smart for me, right? Like the, the, it's so to 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 be able to take all the stats that we talk about. Those are really cool. Like jump in the lane stats. Those are really cool. Like 
swing the pace of the game stats. But it's for me, it's like I want that guy who's going to stop a possession so that we win the game. Big guys can do that. Gobert can do that. Turner can do that. Um, Embiid can do that. Wing players don't necessarily have that unless they have that crazy lockdown. Um, Bruce Bowen, right? Now, mm-hmm. now, Bruce Bowen is a wing player that I'd say at any given time, that man would scare me to death. Rajah Bell, same thing. Those like, It's more than all the stats. It's, it's well, like this Kawhi mentality. Leonard. And Kawhi, yeah. Kawhi would be another one where you're just like, this man is uh, he's going to get you a stop. Kawhi's kind of having a, a, a recovery year, so his defensive mm-hmm. um, uh, stops aren't really there. I'll, I'll, so I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna tease you right now. I have Embiid, I have Gobert, and I have Turner that I'm gonna narrow this down to, and I'm gonna tell you why I picked the one I picked. So first of all, Embiid. It sounds like you're just gonna eeny meeny miny. I am gonna eeny yeah. So I, what I did was I drew cards. So Embiid, <laughs> he doesn't block shots like the other two. So Miles Turner's no. leading the league in block shots. Um, uh, Gobert's like fourth in block shots. Embiid doesn't have that. And here's a, a can I? I don't want to curse. Here's a. Uh, um, a foretelling stat. I was gonna. I was gonna say something else, but I'm not. I'm at a loss for words now. Right. <laughs> when he when so so inside scoring when he's on the court is exactly the same for the 76ers when he's off the court. To me, that means that you're not really making the yeah, impact. You're not having that that uh, that stoppage in the lane, and you know I don't think people are as quite scared of driving against him as they are a guy like Gobert. Right. So Miles Turner. Oh man, I gotta tell you, uh, listeners. So Jason sends me a list of, of of people that he's considering. Miles Turner's one of it. This is this is when I know I'm getting too old. I saw the list on my first reaction is Evan Turner's not even a starter, <laughs> and he's not even that great at defense. And it took me a second to remember. Oh yeah, there's a 23 year old in Indiana that, by the name of Turner that that probably has has a much better chance than Evan Turner. So uh, Miles Turner leads the league in blocks, and he is that that force in the middle. And he can have a five-block night and really change the game. Mm-hmm. But the problem that I have with him, two problems really. One, he only averages seven and a half rebounds a game for somebody who's six foot eleven, seven foot. That's ridiculous. Six ten, whatever he is. And then the other one is he can have a he can have a, a ten point, twelve rebound, five-block night, and then the very next night in twenty-eight minutes he can put up four points, three rebounds, and six fouls. He's he's too inconsistent. Right. Rudy Gobert is the gold standard of what defense is. So as much as I don't want to have to follow you with the same exact pick, which is the same pick that everybody made last year, there's a reason he's called the Stifle Tower. Yep. Win it on the nickname alone. It's, and, it's, it's really hard to pick against him. Right. He, he's very, very special on the defensive end. Plus, I want to give it to him because he didn't make the All-Star game, just like you said. Right. And shame on everybody involved in that. Just because it's a space and pace league doesn't mean you don't give credit to the best defensive player in the NBA. Yeah. So... Uh, Rudy Gobert. Yeah, as last time I checked, us. defense was half the game. So. Right. So we have we have some 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 topics that I want to kind of rapid fire at you. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a topic. I want you to say if it's a big deal or no deal. Then we'll dive into it. All right. Uh, the first topic. This just recently came out. Lonzo Ball scammed for 1.5 million dollars from a family friend that somehow owns 10% of his big baller brand company. Now, I didn't know the way and I never cared is why I didn't know this, but I didn't know the division of big baller brand uh, how how it was uh Yeah, this was, how it was really cut surprising up. to me. I had no idea. So, Big Baller Brand is a shoe company for Lonzo Ball, and if you have been living in a cave for some reason, Lonzo Ball's father, LeVar Ball, hypes Big Baller Brand. It's his brand, it's his shoe company, it's for his boys. 
LeVar Ball only owns 16% of this company. 51% is owned by Lonzo himself. It's really it's really Lonzo's shoe company mm-hmm. owned by some other people. Yeah, I, if I had to guess, I would have, I thought LeVar Ball owned the entire thing. Right, like, I like that 80%, was his percent right? I thought he grew it from the ground up. I thought that was his thing. <laughs> apparently, apparently not. So what happens is 51% of the company, uh, he gets to make whatever decision he wants. He finds out that his family friend scammed uh, $1.5 million dollars uh, first of all, I don't know why you're giving that guy the ability to take out $1 million in cash withdrawals from an ATM. That that blows my mind in in, in itself. Uh, but so there's all this other stuff that's coming out. It's like it's like once the seal pops, everything starts rushing out. So now all of a sudden stories come out that the Lakers have been openly questioning if Lonzo Ball's ankle injuries, which has limited him in back-to-back seasons, are related to the shoe. Now, he comes out and he says, I'm willing to make revisions if people say that my shoe needs revisions for ankle support. And then just today on Instagram, did you know what I see? What's that, man? I see a post by Lonzo Ball wearing his Nike branded Lakers uniform. Right. And right above the Laker, the Laker logo, or the sorry, the Nike logo is a, a, a regurgitated... Um, like it's only a dream if you can't make it happen, kind of saying, which is a Nike slogan. Yeah, Nike's good at those, right? With with his with Lonzo Ball's jersey number uh, photoshopped up into the rafters, with his hashtag that he says. Uh, wait, wait, they didn't photoshop that in with the Lakers because I don't think he's going to be there. Very long. <laughs> <laughs> well, they did though. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, so we'd like to retire Lonzo's number for making it happen to get Anthony Davis with the Lakers. So. Uh, he does a hashtag, my own man, and he says, uh, big things are coming. So this, to me and everybody else in, in the, the social media sphere, we're all saying that means Big Baller brand is going to be defunct. He The, the Zio, oh, oh, Zio, Zio 2s. Zio 2s, get them while you can, because it sounds like he's going to be signing with the with uh, with Nike. You'll probably find him at Ross pretty soon for 30 bucks. So I, I would buy a pair. Buy him up. I would buy a pair. So Lonzo Ball. Going, uh, losing 1.5 million, being scammed by a family friend, going to the Nike. Big deal or no deal? Uh, no deal. You know, if it was a bigger name right now, I mean, he's he's a big name in media. He is not. He's not what I would call a big deal in the world of basketball right now. He's a part of a fledgling team that is, you know, just fizzling out, and you know, those shoes sucked. The company sucked. You got three big giant bees on the front of your shirt, and you wear it around thinking that it's cool. Sorry. No. Not a big deal. So here's why it's a big deal to me. It's the end of this nonsense. Big ball and brand everything. The the JBA and, and all this nonsense from LeVar Ball. Your your money pipeline and your fame pipeline, fame pipeline just, if this happens, is cutting you off. Hashtag I'm my own man. That just says my dad has mismanaged my career. Yeah. He's mismanaged my money, and and all this hype about how this was going to be in uh, 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 a titan of industry and how this is going to change the way that players represent themselves and shoe deals and not and be their own, you know, be, be their own, uh, 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 whatever the we you know the they want to be the masters of their own future. There you go. The, the thing is, is I captains I'm, of industry. That's what I was thinking. But, Lonzo Ball. The only reason why he was talked about so much was because of his father. Mm-hmm. Other than besides that, he's a mediocre player at best. I mean, he does have a, a fair amount of potential so long as he fixes that whack jump shot. <laughs> I mean, they he's said working he, on it. They said, but it still, you know, it still his arm was set pretty funny, even though it wasn't 
completely on the other side of his head this <laughs> this year, but it's still not right. And he's not going to be right, and it's not going to be – he's not going to really be anything. And the only reason why he was in the media so much to begin with was because of his father. Mm-hmm. And now he can be his own man. His own man, by the way, Lonzo never talks. So, I mean, <laughs> go ahead. He, he's, he's quieter. I like, I like that, though. <laughs> he's quieter than Tim Duncan. Yep. You know, but just not as good, smart and good. Yeah, yeah. there you go. Uh, so I, I – the last thing I'll say about this is he's going to sign with Nike and then maybe he just fires his agent and he goes with Quest Sports just to make sure he doesn't have to leave L.A. Yeah, well, is, is that like a prerequisite? He can go go to Clutch Sports and try to see if they can sneak in a no trade clause. <laughs> that's their thing. But uh, how the hell does KCP have one? <laughs> <laughs> so I'd like to, I would like to say this right now, like that. That's what LeBron wants from you, Zoe. Just just sign with Clutch Sports and he won't make you leave. Right. So if you want to stay in L.A., you, you've already got the Nike deal coming. Just sign with Clutch Sports, and you'll be part of the 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 LeBron James family for, for L.A. Moving on to the next topic. Now, this one's going to be hard for you. I know that. James Harden has uh. back-to-back amazing games. He puts up 57 points in a loss to the Grizzlies, and he follows it up two nights later the very next game, 61 against the Spurs. Yeah, that was rough. So when we take a step back... And we said, wow, back-to-back 50-plus games, that's great in itself. He's averaging 36 points a game, 7.5 assists, 6.5 rebounds. Jason, a few weeks ago, we called our MVPs. Did we get it wrong? Yeah, well, uh, if I recall, Harden was there as a a good second for me. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, I was going with Paul George, and... That was before we knew what James Harden was going to be like once Chris Paul came back. We figured his numbers would start going down because, again, he's going to have to share the ball more. He's not going to be jacking up quite as many shots. But the thing is, is with Chris Paul back, I feel like his efficiency has gone up a little bit too to where he doesn't have to be quite as much of a volume shooter, but he's getting these numbers still, and he's averaging a ridiculous amount uh, of points this year, 30, 36 36 points a game is That's crazy. It that is. is crazy. I haven't seen that since I was a kid. Right. So 1987-88 season for Michael Jordan, he averaged 37.1. Yep. If if Harden over the next 10 games can like just amp it up and have a bunch more 50-point games. What if he God, what if he breaks that? The highest. Yeah, yeah <laughs> then, then we'll have to go back. I think 63? Something like that. Yeah, Wilt Chamberlain. Yeah. Back when Wilt was doing his 40-point uh averages. That's incredible. I mean, that's it's amazing I, I, that you can score that many points and nobody touching you on defense. <laughs> right. But but again, it's not just like uh, he's still he's still doing well on assists. He's still doing yeah. well on rebounds. He's not as one-dimensional as I've always summed him up in my head. So here's another stat. James Harden, since he, he so James Harden joined the the Rockets in the 2012 season. Okay? Yep. Nobody in the NBA has scored more points since then since James Harden. And he does it I mean, he travels a lot, sure, but he does it so so seamlessly, and, and it just we just become immune to it. So I think I'm guilty of that. I had Giannis as my MVP. I don't think I'm ready to punt on that because he still has the number one seed and he's still the do all. Right. But I will say I'm starting to have a little bit of buyer's remorse. The thing is, is if Rock the Rockets keep winning, mm-hmm. uh, I don't think that that seeding is going to matter too much. I think getting the number three seed in the West is going to look. You know, just as good as hitting that number one in the East. True. You know. Hey, here's a question for you when it comes to the Rockets. 
Paul George has been in it, or not Paul George, Chris Paul has been in and out of the lineup, right? Right. Every single time I see anything Rockets related, they always say, well, he's holding it down until Chris Paul gets back. How many times has Chris Paul this season had to get back? Every time I see them, he's out with something else. This guy just got a massive contract. Mm-hmm. If you're Daryl Morey, are you scared to death of what you just did? Well, I, I yeah, <laughs> you, you you have to be this 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 constant, and, and it's not like it's. I mean, again, he he's injured his hamstring multiple times, and that happened again. But that's not the only injury that this guy's had, and it's it's he's so prone to just picking up something. Mm-hmm. You know, it's. It's one of those things, you know, Chris Paul injury is as inevitable as the sun coming up the next yep. day, you know? Yeah, and there's a reason why his biggest sponsor is an insurance agency. <laughs> so, uh, and I don't know if I said it or not, but I do think the James Harden back-to-back plus his his season is a big deal. I don't know about you. Yeah, I think it is. Anybody who can who can get that award back-to-back seasons, you know? Yep. Shout-out Steve Nash. <laughs> Stop. That's like the worst. You know, Steve Nash winning an MVP is like when your favorite sitcom loses its its big actor, and instead of writing that character off the show, they replace it with a different actor. That's what Steve Nash winning an MVP was for me. Well, it's that feeling. Well, yeah, but you were a Lakers fan, so I can I can understand that a little bit. Whatever. <laughs> uh, all right, next topic for you, uh, and this one's a little close to home. Lamarcus Aldridge came Very out close to home. Yeah, Lamarcus Aldridge came out and said he will be returning to Portland. He was talking with Dame Lillard at the time. It's not. A, I'd like to play with you again. He flat out said, "I'll be coming back to Portland." So, big deal or no deal? <sighs> well. I'm not still have to say big deal, even though the early season come back, he would still be 35 years old mm-hmm. by that point. Um, but still an effective 35. He has the kind of game like Dirk that translates into being able to to still be effective without being athletic. Because I mean, he's never been the quickest. He's never been you know the great athlete. But he's lived and died with that turnaround jump shot that nobody can block. Mm-hmm. You know, very, very reminiscent to how Dirk has stayed in his league for so long. He just runs a little better than Dirk does these days, you know? <laughs> well, for now. <laughs> and uh, I think not only that is Portland has a lot of promising young big men, a lot of them on that team. And I think that LaMarcus Aldridge can come in and be a pretty good mentor to a lot of these guys and just kind of elevate their games as well. So Although you cut cancer's minutes, man. I'll be pissed. <laughs> so here's why I say it's no deal. First of all, I remember when he left Portland, and he kind of left them in the lurch. It was that last season, everything's fine, and then all of a sudden, oh, it's not fine. I don't like it here. And he goes, and he you know, he, he did the, the Superstar Tour, too, if right. you remember right. Yeah, like, but, I mean, audition for me, audition I, for me. Uh, again, he... He's probably at the age two where now he's actually able to appreciate what he had back then and realize, you know, what he did. Even though he went to the Spurs, it's, mm-hmm. you know. So, so Portland, one of, one of Portland's many names is Bridgetown. There's about 14 bridges to get in and out of Portland, and de- depending on where you're at, to get around Portland. Yeah. I will say the two biggest ones. Uh, he went ahead and burned those things down. So Fremont Bridge and St. John's Bridge are gone. He's got to find a different way to sneak back into town because I don't think the fans really care for him. And as much as Dame Lillard acts like he likes him, I think Damian Lillard's like, yeah, if you want to come back on a veteran minimum when you're 35 and you want to come off the bench, go for it. Well, I'm pretty sure it's going to be close to that. I don't think he's going to be taking too many too many minutes from some of these younger guys because I think that you know guys like, uh, like Nurk, if we can hang on to Cantor for a couple more years and re-sign him, I think that would be fantastic. But, um, 
you know, I, I don't I don't think it could be a, a negative, and and it's not like he gets a bad reception whenever he comes back into town. So, Jason, I, I mean, I'm, I'm we're doing big deal, no deal right now, but I got to throw something in there that is a pretty big deal. I just got a news alert that Duke facing number nine UCF wins 77-76. Oh my goodness! After UCF misses two chances in the final seconds. Duke was literally just don't screw it up away from being boosted out of the tournament. So, ladies and gentlemen, your Duke uh, Blue Devils are in the Sweet 16, but barely this, by the skin of their teeth. This has got to be a black eye. So now I haven't looked at any stats yet, but there is a gentleman that uh, the place for UCF that his name's Taco Fall. And I probably pronounced that wrong because I just read it. I haven't actually looked it up phonetically. Maybe it's Taco. Maybe it's something else. But it's T-A-C- I think it's T-A-K-O. And then the last name is Fall, F-A-L-L. And there's probably a different – I think he's from um, an African country. Uh, he's only been playing basketball for a couple years. He's seven foot six, and he's about ready to break the record, or maybe at the end of this game, depending on if he did or not, break the record for best field goal percentage in college basketball for, for a season at like 69% or something like that. I predicted that he was going to handle Zion. He actually went out and said, I'm not going to let Zion get some of these dunks. Right. So when this podcast is over, I'm going to be pulling this up. And if you listeners have a chance, look it up. Uh, take very, it. very curious to see that matchup. Yeah. that's a. So this is a, this is one of those kids where if he had a great game, and it looks like maybe he did, this would be one of those riser faller people that we talked about in college basketball. Anyway, Duke, yeah. 77-76 win over UCF. That is a victory that that's going to feel like a loss. And um, yeah, depending on what those stat lines look like, it might be hurting some draft stocks. You know, the the, the probably RJ and Cam Reddish are the two names that 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 mm-hmm. get suffered depending on how poorly they do. Transitioning back, I got a couple more topics for you. All right, let's hear it. So Marcus Smart was ejected and fined fifty thousand dollars for shoving Joel Embiid three nights ago in a very close game. So Joel Embiid gives Marcus Smart a real hard screen. Yep, sticks his elbow out and whispers something in his ear. Turn, I'm sure it was nice. <laughs> turns around and walks away. So Marcus, being Marcus, runs up, shoves Joel Embiid so hard, his head flaps backwards, and he goes flying across the hardwood. Uh, everybody, you know, Joel Embiid hops up, rushes him, gets a technical for trying to engage in a fight. Of course, they get broken up because everybody's a fake tough guy, and then they go the separate ways. Big deal or no deal, Marcus Smart getting kicked out of this game and, and getting fined. Well, I think it's a big deal, partially because uh, up to that point, um, you know, Philly ends up getting the win, mm-hmm. but Boston is own Philly, and if you know they do happen to meet up, you know, which is a very, very likely into the playoffs. You know, should they both advance, I, it, it's pretty dumb. So you know, a- they like Boston. Boston has got to play smarter than that. They they have to understand what's on the line, and it, it's a stupid move. I understand that. You know, Marcus Smart has always been that guy. And in certain times and certain situations, it's good to sort of, you know, be that guy on the court, you know, mm-hmm. attitude-wise, tough tough guy-wise, you know, to, to make a certain stand. But, you know, wrong game, wrong, wrong place. Too much on the line right there as far as, you know, having um, – you know something over one of your main competitors in the East, and it it was just ill timed. Yeah, so I'll say it's a, it's a, man. Can I push? It's neither a big deal, but it isn't no deal. Right. So, 
Marcus Smart plays like he doesn't matter still. Remember like early on in Marcus Smart's career? Yeah. He, he was like this, no, this spark plug, he, and he could do whatever. I don't think he understands how important he actually yes. is to that team. And I think that that's where he is still acting like that player off the bench that you bring in for those tough guy minutes, right? Like a, a Tony Allen kind of player. Right. Right? He's not that anymore. The Celtics need him. The So the end of that game, Jimmy Butler hits a game-winning shot. Uh, mid-range jumper. Yep. Nobody was able to get back and put their hand up because Marcus Smart would have been Smart would have been on him. He, yeah, that would have been the guy. That guy wouldn't have been open. Marcus Smart would have been in his grill. Marcus Smart would have had his hand up. Yep. That cost you the game. In my opinion, that game doesn't go that way because the 76ers go on a run where they just got exposed, right? Jimmy Butler heated up. Jimmy Butler had a great fourth quarter. It happens to coincide with the fact that you're not in the game, Marcus, because you lost your cool because Joel Embiid is a troll and and baited you in to getting kicked out of the game. Yeah. he does that to everybody, mm-hmm. and he's got to understand that this is what MB does, yep. and not lose your cool because he talks so much crap to literally everybody. And it's guys like uh, Marcus Smart, apparently Hassan Whiteside. All mm-hmm. these guys buy in to all the crap that Embiid says on the court. Who, I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, you were a big fan of his. You say Embiid is like just a, a modern day Gary Payton out there, just yeah. jabber John and insulting everybody yep. left and right. Yeah, you know that's what that's that's what you do. To get a, a psychological edge. I don't hate him for it. I don't no. like it when he does it on Twitter. I think that's pretty tasteless. But in the game, that's what you're doing, and you're doing it for a reason. I used to do it on the basketball court because it made up for the fact that I wasn't necessarily as athletic or skilled as everybody else. Joel Embiid doesn't necessarily have that problem, but he knows that it works. Marcus Smart needs to do what Isaiah Thomas used to do. Mm-hmm. You remember Isaiah Thomas used to get messed with all the time? Yep. Isaiah Thomas didn't get in fights. Nope. Joe Dumars didn't get in fights. That's what Bill Lambeer would get kicked out of that game. Yeah, let's let's be clear. We're talking about Zeke and not it Isaiah yes, Thomas. There you go, like the real Isaiah Thomas. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Isaiah Thomas would get knocked around, get 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 uh, his face kicked in a little bit when he drive in. You yep. know, lost teeth here and there. Joe Dumar, same thing. Bill Lambeer and Rick Mahorn would go be the enforcers. Yep. Where are those guys for the Celtics? Because that what that's what needed to happen. It, Marcus Smart doesn't need to go get in, in a pushing match. What needs to happen is next time Joel Embiid drove into the hoop, he'd need to catch himself a real nice, perfectly legal, hard foul well, that all, knocks him in the ground. All those types of players are in the EuroLeague now. Is that what it is? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So it doesn't uh, doesn't uh, complement today's <laughs> NBA game. So here's here's my last big deal, no deal, and I'm gonna I'm gonna qualify this with. I am certainly not qualified to talk about this. So another fan in Salt Lake it gets a lifetime ban. Now, this fan didn't do anything recent. They identified the fan from the playoffs in 2018 yep. who heckled or cheered. I can't even tell by watching the video which one it was. Uh, Russell he Westbrook. He was trying to have fun with him. That's all he was doing. So, so if you – yeah, for anybody listening who hasn't seen this, Russell Westbrook was uh, po- uh, pregame dancing – uh, uh, this is in Utah. He was dancing uh, near the sidelines near some fans, and one of the fan, maybe he was drunk, maybe maybe he didn't. I, I don't know. I can't speak for his motivation pre-game. behind he it. Couldn't have been that drunk yet. <laughs> so he uh, so he starts che- like he's. It sounds like from from my impression of the video, it sounds like he's kind of cheering him on a little bit. Yeah, and he says uh, like, "Get down, boy." Or sort of like or like shake it or something like that. I can't remember the exact verbiage, but essentially makes a reference to dancing calls him boy. Russell Westbrook corrects and says that's disrespectful. Don't say that. He ends up saying it again, and Russell Westbrook points at him. The guy, again, in my wholly unqualified opinion, looked like he was trying to have a good time, and it was interpreted 
to be to be uh, full of racial undertones. Again, I'm not the right person. I'm a I'm a f- near forty year old white guy, so I didn't see. I didn't see it as the way that other people are claiming it, and clearly yeah. the the folks that that own um, the Utah Jazz felt differently than me. So so I will agree that I don't understand it, um, but at the same time, I have a different angle on that. That fan aside, Russell Westbrook is a jerk. He's a very angry young man. He is. So there's other clips that we don't talk about, right? So Russell Westbrook says, uh, I want this fan out. He does this a lot. He points at fans and he threatens them. Or he points at fans and he tells people that he wants them removed. No, he literally, you can see him scream, get him the F out of here. Yeah. So a few weeks ago, he, he tells a man and a woman that he was going to kick the... F him up. Yeah. He was going to F him up. Um, last year in Utah, he uh, a different altercation, not this one, where he got the guy kicked out for saying, boy, he uh, a fan in, in one of the Jazz Note areas... Leans in at halftime and is yelling, heckling at him, right? Yeah. So he stops. The guy's not touching him. The guy's not reaching at him. He's, he's leaning over the edge and, and shouting. And Russell Westbrook literally stops, turns around, and Mal, and we, we don't have an he audio of it. He turned around looking like he's going to assault that guy. Right, yeah. He stops, turns around. He had a, he had a, his fists clenched, and he says, uh, I want to say, um, it was either get the F back or shut the F up or something like that. Yeah. Then, he call, then he waves over security, points him, and says he wants to get him the F out of here. Mm-hmm. For yelling, right? So, like, Russell Westbrook... For for what they already deemed is okay. You know what I mean? Heckling heckling them. Yeah. They've already said that, you know, talk about our game. Tell us we mm-hmm. suck. Tell us we're terrible. Tell us we can't shoot. Well, I mean, apparently that's still not okay. Right. Like, nothing came out that this guy said anything racist. Yeah. Right? I, and I'm not saying he didn't because we couldn't hear an audio clip, but just nobody's talked about this guy. I will say his reaction, the fans' reaction. So he, he's heckling at Russell Russell Westbrook. He's walking by. Russell Westbrook turns with his fists clenched and the cursing at the guy. terrified. The fans stumbled backwards and looked shook by this whole thing. So if you're telling me that these fans are making you feel uncomfortable and they're they're too close and they're you're feeling assaulted by these fans the same should be told of you when you're walking by and this fan isn't leaning he's leaning forward but he's not out of his seat nope, he's, he's not, not even touching really, you he's not even really over the rail right and you're so he's not going too close he's not he's staying in his bounds right that's fans his own players have come out and said that he threatens them uh if the, so enos Cantor is on um um uh an old espn um Podcaster out of Seattle, I can't remember his name, but uh, uh, anyways, he, he's on a TV show, and he's he's, he's like, oh, I got a funny story about Russell Ru- Russell Westbrook for you. Uh, we were playing against Golden State, and I'm not going to say the player's name, but uh, I said, hey, what's up to one of the Golden State players? I'm assuming in this moment that that's Kevin Durant, right? There's a there's a good chance, right? He says, I said, what's up to him? Russell Bre- Russell ran up to Enos, screaming at him, threatening him cursing at him to the point where Ennis was like, I, I, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I won't do it again. He's like, I love that passion. Really, you love it that your guy will scream and curse at you if, if you're doing something he doesn't like? And it's not a passion of the game. Save me that because you do it to the fans. You do it to your players. You clearly have no respect for women when you when you threaten to fight a woman. How is it that we're constantly talking about Russell well, Westbrook? Had, as, even as, the incident with the kid. Yeah, Russell the kid. Westbrook turned around like he was ready to just explode. Right. And then he happened to see that it was a kid and he brought it down a little bit. Mm-hmm. But just the way that he turned yeah. During that situation, barely being touched, like there's there's just right. something there's something not right there. So and, my point is and that, that needs to be handled. Right. So my point is that this thing cuts both ways. You want to talk about oh well, he does that because he's a passionate player and he gets fired up. What are the fans supposed to do? So here we go. Clay Thompson on in, uh, in one breath says it's the fans' responsibility to get us fired up. We need to hear him cheering. We yeah. need to hear them fired up. 
We need to get the fans excited, get their blood pumping, right? They're going to be afraid to say anything going in the future for a lifetime ban. You know? Right. So here we are. We're telling them, get their, get your adrenaline pumped up. We need to hear you on your feet cheering. That's going to get your adrenaline going, right? So then all of a sudden, a fan starts jeering. And, and again, if it's, if it's a truly racist thing or a, a truly homophobic thing, whatever it is, I get getting that person kicked mm-hmm. out, right? But it cuts both ways at that point. If you're going to be threatening people with violence, if you're going to be clenching your fists like you're going to have a fight with somebody, and then the people are going to be like, well, it's Russell Westbrook, and it's just a passion in the moment because he's, you know, he's a competitor. No, you don't get a pass. No, it, it's the same thing. Hold everybody accountable to the same standards. You don't get to threaten people. Yeah. You don't get to clench your fists like you're going to punch somebody in the stands. You clearly have to be... Well, the fact that he's getting a pass for these mm-hmm. things... And I'm sorry, but the the minimal fines that he's been mm-hmm. getting aren't going to make him learn from any of these actions. Right. And you know, it, there has to be some sort of some sort of balance, some sort of fairness in the fact there's a big difference between a fine that's complete chump change to giving a fan of this team a lifetime ban right. from enjoying something that they love. That's that's an extreme. And that's the most gonna, they if can you're going to have if you're going to have those kind of punishments on one side, look, he he's going to have to have something a lot more extreme, whether right. it be costing him games, a long periods mm-hmm. of games, or or something. You right. know, it's so here's the thing, right? We'll we'll do it. We'll do it scale of of of, of punishment. Is there anything more that that ownership can do to that fan? No, no, that is not. that is the absolute worst punishment you can hand that fan. Mm-hmm. We no longer want you here. You're no longer allowed in this building. If he's a season season ticket holder, we've just taken these tickets that are probably a huge waiting list for you. Lose them, and they go to the next well, person I'm in sure line. He would be allowed. Well, he gets his he gets his, he gets his money back, but I mean they'll they'll take his seats, and and it's not the money that's important about that. It's the actual licensing that goes to it, right? Like if you're sitting that close and you have season tickets, people are going to clamor for those. Like you never like that's some, that's an inheritance thing. Yep. You give that to your kids. So uh, when when it comes down to that, we're we're telling this fan because he said something that was deemed disrespectful with racial undertones. That's a maximum fine. Uh, we're at that time already. That's yes. crazy. So. Uh, Thanks to everybody that's with us. Um, you know, we, we again, I can't stress it enough. Email us. Follow us on social media. O-V-E-R-N-B-A-C-K at gmail.com. And, of course, you can look that up on Facebook as yeah, well. questions, comments, anything. You know, it would be fun to hear from you guys. So we'll, uh, we'll do this again next weekend, folks. Have a great one. All right. Peace, guys.